welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Nate Larkin, and I'll tell you what, it's the, the world has uh, returned to its rightful axis <laughs> for, for, because, because uh, I am now joined by my co-host from the left coast, who is back on the left coast temporarily, joining us from California, Aaron Porter is here. How you doing, man? So great, so good. Yeah, yeah, I guess. So you, you, you know, you you have left the heat and humi- humidity and humility oh, okay. of Middle oh, Tennessee. Okay, that I'm cutting you off because everybody I talk to is like, oh, so it's so hot there. All this, I'm I'm still I am more convinced now than ever. Nobody has air conditioning here. I can't sleep at night because it's so hot. I have left oh, my yeah. beautifully air-conditioned home in Tennessee, and I've been so hot since I've come here. So, oh yeah, yeah. There's heat, there's heat and humidity. I mean, I can't find restaurants that are air-conditioned here just to get out of the heat. So, you know, it's been like a hundred and I think it was like a hundred and three yesterday. And what? Was, well, yeah, it's hot here. It's a dry heat, but it's hot. Holy smokes! We just we just are starting to bump into the nineties here, but we have heat and humidity, but we also have it handled. Yeah, exactly. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, you tons just have to... of indoor environments. Yes, exactly. Where we're circulating those COVID particulates. But but anyway. here's here's the weird part, and I I don't even know how much I want to say. Last time I said anything bad about California, I got so much mail on that. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to pick on any town in particular. But I will tell you, it is bizarre being here because the feel with the COVID stuff is yeah. is like it's so different. Like is any it? every restaurant or anything I've walked into starts with, here are the rules. You're going to take this to your table. You're going to bust your own thing here, but leave this so we can come. And I'm like, what about just, hey, how are you doing? And like, it just feels scary. I didn't, Does it, really? it didn't feel scary back home. So yeah, there's just a different vibe. And I know that, you know, California definitely had higher numbers or whatever. I don't know. And I, I'm not even going to get into the whys on that. It's just a different feel. And I've definitely had to wear a mask a lot. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think you have to wear it just everywhere out. Yeah. If you're out and about. So yeah, it's been, it's been weird. It's been almost a week since I've been here. We left last Tuesday, but got stuck in Dallas, which was annoying, but I guess I'm just going from COVID hotbed to COVID hotbed. There you go. Yeah, things are, uh, you know, the, the, the numbers are starting to rise here in Tennessee as well. And we're now under a mask mandate here in Williamson County, which we have not had before. What, what uh, I don't know what that means. I don't watch the news. And I know that uh, 30 minutes away, I'm in a different county. And I think we're much more lax about those things. Yeah, yeah. You also have higher numbers than we do over there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, so so now in Williamson County, you've got to wear a mask if you are in any, uh, you know, like a store. public, yeah. yeah, in a store, right, yeah. What about out on so, the street? Do you have to do it in the street? No, you're not required. No, un- as long as you can socially distance, you're not required to wear them outdoors. Some folks do, though. Uh, well, I see a fair number of people wearing masks walking down Main Street. Have you I been, don't. Have you been I walking d- around? I take a wide 
Have you been walking around feeling somehow like we've jumped into China 10 years ago? I always saw pictures, you know, people on the streets all wearing masks. I thought, that's so weird. And I thought that a couple times. Yeah, yeah. I've also found that being back here, I've seen a few things that people I thought I knew, but I could only see their eyes. So I was just staring at them like, are you? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, what I have found is that when I wear sunglasses and a mask, nobody knows who I am. It's, <laughs> That's called being a bank robber. There's a reason they wear sunglasses <laughs> and masks. It wasn't for nothing. Oh, People have been pulling that trick since the Wild West and before. Yeah, so uh, yeah. t- you've, you've got some thoughts on surviving or survivor. What's, what's going on? I'm totally curious. Well, all, 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 all I'm telling you is that uh, you know, I'm spending a lot of time at home now. And uh, Allie, who is in multiple high-risk categories for COVID, is is very rarely leaving the house. So, you know, I go out and do the hunting and gathering to bring stuff in, and I'm careful, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I'm picturing you with a basket in the woods. But okay, watch yeah, out right. for wolves and don't wear your red cape. Go on. We've got to, uh, but we've got to fill our time. So Allie discovered some weeks ago that uh, the TV show Survivor, which is now in its 40th season, two seasons a year for 20 freaking years, 15 episodes a season. So we're talking 600 episodes, mm-hmm. uh, is streaming on Hulu. Yep. So she started watching Survivor. Uh, eventually, while we were on a road trip uh, and I was, you know, I ran out of other things to do. I think at about season 18, I got sucked in. Yeah, you're hooked uh, now. Uh, so we're now on season 25. Uh, maybe it just started 26. Yeah, so one now of the that's, things that's I'm you, watching. Is that you watching straight through you're on season 25? You've watched all the seasons? And I, I, Allie has watched them all. I've watched since 18, I think. Okay. All right. But I'm, uh, I've watched it enough. I've watched it enough that I am starting to see patterns. Okay. I'm starting to anticipate what's going on and it is entertaining and it's enlightening and it's disturbing and it's, it's causing me to look a little deeper at community. Mm. Uh, (laughs) This is scary. I don't know where this is going. Go on. And to to recognize that uh, community as much as I am an advocate of community, I know community is absolutely essential. I know community is essential for recovery. Um, um, community has, I think we can say community has a dark side that we have to be aware of. Um, uh, or what begins as very healthy can become toxic. So, so what are the parallels you're drawing? I want to know what you're seeing. Recognizing Survivor is a game. So even the bad guys, even the heels are playing the game and they might not be that way in real life. But what are these parallels you're seeing? Well, here's the amazing thing. So it begins with 18 or 20 strangers who are, you know, dropped onto an island somewhere. And they are immediately and completely arbitrarily divided into two tribes and they're given identities. So we've got, you know, so we've got a red tribe, we've got a blue tribe. Invariably, season after season after season, uh, each tribe begins to develop not just a distrust, but an antipathy, uh, and not just a sense of competition, more than that, 
a hatred of the other tribe. Now, also within each tribe, alliances quickly form and some members of that tribe find themselves kind of on the outs, kind of on the bottom, uh, this hierarchy forms. And so they form their own defensive alliances. So within each tribe, we've got defensive alliances that form and there's some distrust there and some distrust. So loyalty is a high value. Truth is a high value. And yet, uh, now if you, a sure way to get yourself voted off survivor <laughs> is to be caught listening to somebody, talking to somebody on the other tribe. And it, now halfway through the game, there is a merge. The two tribes are put together, whatever remains of the two tribes. And it, it's quite possible that by this point, one tribe has succeeded in almost succeeded in decimating the other, or perhaps they're of equal strength. Doesn't matter. They're merged. And Jeff Probst, the guy who, you know, God in this scenario says, he gives them, you know, you are one tribe now. Well, turns out that's really bullshit because, <laughs> right. e okay, yeah. even though they're living in one camp, even though they're one tribe, these tribal alliances that formed within minutes at the beginning of the game out of purely arbitrary placement, they remain. And if you really want to seal your fate in the game, Flip to the other flip to the other tribe right. in an attempt to climb higher on the ladder. Yeah, because your tribe won't you trust are, you, and you'll always be at the bottom of theirs. You are a dead man. Some uh, occasionally somebody does it, um, and 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 they're always you know it it never works out. Right. Which has caused me now to reflect. All of us are born into a tribe, and we had nothing to do about it. We had no say in it. It was completely arbitrary. Those of us who maybe you became, maybe we became a Christian as uh, our guest today did, you know, in adulthood, 27 years old, you're inducted into a tribe. That's the <coughs> one that you're in. And uh, you very quickly find out that, you know, yes, we are, you know, <laughs> Theoretically, there, there are no tribes in the Christian church. Practically speaking, we are highly tribal in the same way that the children of Israel were tribal. Uh, you know, the children of the new covenant are tribal. There's just many, many more tribes. And now uh, there, are, there is pressure. And it isn't just in church. It's outside of church, you know. Uh, were you born into a Democrat or Republican tribe? Where, right. you know, what kind of are, cultural tribe were you? Are born you going to bring what up racial the tribe? What race? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what? Yeah, exactly. Um, now the gospel says there there is now no longer a uh, 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 junior Gentile male nor female, bond nor free, all are one in Christ Jesus. And, and Jesus, you know, has initiated this new society, this church that he's building, uh, made up of people from all tongues and tribes and people groups, right? And yet, um, you are going to recover, you're going to encounter suspicion, 
if you are caught being too friendly with somebody who is also a Christian, but is a member of another tribe. But only uh, if you are still deep in the culture of your tribe. Right. Like there, there are ways, there, there, there are paths to the fringe. And at the fringe, there's a lot of freedom. Pretty sure Jesus lived on the fringe. And, and one of the things I love about you, Aaron Porter, is that you are forever walking toward the fringe. I'm a, right? I am just a, a hippie with fringes all over the place. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that's, but it's a huge hope that yeah. what you just described feels deeply true the farther you are towards the center of your group. Yeah. And the really cool, hopeful part is that what I've encountered at Samson is there's a, a new tribe that often forms mm-hmm. where the one, the, the only qualification necessary is, oh yeah, we're all broken and we're all lonely and just want to be honest with someone. Yeah. Because we've seen how people from so many different groups, different denominations, different backgrounds, like they have brothers that they never thought they would have because now there's just this qualification that, that we, we believe that Jesus is enough for our brokenness and we're not going to lie about it. Yeah. I mean, that's really hopeful, but I think, I mean, I get what you're saying. And didn't you just describe the entire book, Lord of the Flies? I, mean, I, I think I did. It yeah, is yeah. literally everything you described as Lord of the Flies. So good, good for whatever. I don't remember who wrote that book, but good for them. You um, know, here, here, here's what I know. I know that we need recovery in order to survive. Those survivors need each other. They need alliances. They need a group. They need a tribe. They need to work together. I am so grateful for Samson, and I'm grateful for this tribe that I'm a part of. I am also aware that we are not the only people in the world who are doing recovery. Mm. We're not the only people in the world who Jesus is using, and we do not have a monopoly on the truth. Right. Just a better version. (laughs) Oh, wait, that wasn't your point. Sorry. That was not my point. Okay. My point, my, uh, (laughs) my point is we can always listen. Yeah. We can always learn. We can always help. We can always ask for help. Yeah. So, uh, and so that's your we, so your warning is that we can we can build a sacred cow in any tribe, and sometimes absolutely, yeah, those who have the most freedom become the most legalistic against those who don't, and all we've done is replaced uh, the color of our Pharisee outfit. <laughs> exactly. Okay, before you All before right. you transition, I, I have a recommendation mm-hmm. for you. You're in the later okay. Survivor shows, and I was a latecomer. I started watching a couple of years ago when I needed kind of a monotonous show in the background while I did your engineering okay. reports. And in the later seasons, like these people have watched it since they were little kids. So they come right. in with a strategy. They're playing the game. Right. I highly recommend you go back and watch season one because okay. they didn't when know nobody the knows game. what's going on. Nobody yeah. comes with a strategy. The the one person who wins, I won't give it away, has is more thoughtful than anyone else about that stuff. 
but it's yeah. more, it's the exact same thing you described, but it's not on purpose and it's more guileless in. Yeah. And I think you'll be totally fascinated to see those earlier seasons with what you said in mind. Okay. All right. I'll go do it. As soon as we get, as soon as we make it to 40, I'll go back. It's kind of like doing the 12 steps. You get to 12, <laughs> you go back to one. Well, we got All a right. great guest on. I want to get to it. Yes. All right. Stick with us. We'll be right back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, We have with us the voice you have all been waiting for, the guy whose face adorns the uh, banner on the front page of the Samson Society website, the guy headlining the fall retreat, if please God we can actually do the fall retreat, John Lynch, joining us us from from, uh, cool, breezy Phoenix. Is that where you are? Yeah, it chilled. Yeah, it chilled down from one fourteen to one oh nine. I'm I'm wearing a parka <laughs> right now. Just to... <laughs> uh, oh, oh man! Nice. What? Not, it's brutal. Yeah, I'm, many of our listeners yeah. uh, know John. You would recognize his face from the Heart of Man movie. Uh, or from the uh, Two Roads YouTube video, which I don't know how many uh, views that thing has gotten by now. Or you may have you may have heard him on a Casting Crowns tour, or you may have read the book The Cure, or On My Worst Day. Uh, John, yeah. uh, you made a quite a calculated move from full time pastoral ministry into speaking ministry right before the, the pandemic hit. Uh, <laughs> I had a good two months. Uh, just a, I'll say I, I, I started off with Mercy Me. We had a beautiful cruise. I did about eight events. And then thank you yeah. very much. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Was it Mercy Me or so Casting that Crowns that you that toured with? I, did I get that mixed up? Mercy Me. Uh, uh, Mercy Me. Yeah. The casting crowns would never, they just didn't want me. (laughs) The crowns weren't the only thing they were casting aside. Poor John. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, So that was that recently you, you stepped into a whole new thing. I mean, that's. Yeah. I've been with true face for a long, long time, writing books with them and speaking with them. And we just, we got a new CEO and we moved to Atlanta and, and it become more curriculum based. So I, I still was a road warrior and a writer. So uh, I started up John Lynch Speaks and uh, that was, it was really nice for a couple of months. Uh, <laughs> actually, I'm getting to probably speak more during this season. Yeah. Uh, like you guys, you know, there's just, it's just not monetized. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm doing this from a park. I don't have a home anymore. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. You'll find John under a bridge. No, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> it is wonderful. We're getting more family time. Allie and I have, Allie hasn't seen me this much, you know, in 30 years. Uh, so it's, I, I yeah. guess it's not all bad, but I, I don't know about you, John, but I get energized by, uh, as, as wearing as the travel is, I get energized by, uh, talking to a group of folks and, uh, yeah, I'm missing Absolutely. it. I got a bit of the DTs from from not from being you know talking to everybody now through a screen and a microphone, and I've been doing it now for months. I imagine you must be feeling some of the same. Exactly the same, except I got to sneak in that Alabama trip. Yeah, uh, that <laughs> right. Oh, that was that was that, that was what was I thinking? It was so dangerous, but. And nobody there wears a mask. Nobody's seen a mask. They've they've never heard of a mask. But uh, it was an oh, that's a time. great bunch of brothers and, down uh, there in Andalusia, Alabama. And you spoke at the old school. Wasn't oh, that great? Oh, what an incredible place! It's just this old, funky schoolhouse that they've turned into a place where they open it up. They serve steaks, and they just open it up to the community. Anyone who wants to come just gets a free meal, excellent meal, and a, yeah. and a great night. And, uh, yeah, in the middle of this really rough season, 100-some yeah. guys came out. It was just really a Fantastic. cool deal. Well, um, you're hunkering down and doing some more writing these days, aren't you, in this season, John? Yeah. Yeah, I, I – I wrote a book uh, on mm -hmm. my worst day, which which tries to capture what does grace look like when it's just not working the way you hoped it would or dreamt it would. And then I also, it's kind of a chronological timeline. So knowing Jesus now, I imagine what he might have said to me in incidents and events mm -hmm. all along the way uh, from like six, seven years old on. So, uh, Someone had the idea, John, you need to bring that book forward from 2013 where it ended to now. And I'm having the time of my life getting to write these pieces right now. So now, I'd, yeah. I'd imagine there's some uniqueness to that question for each person. Like, what does grace look like or what am I missing on my worst day? And there's some yeah. universal overlap. So what did that mean to you personally when you started thinking back, oh, here's what I didn't get about grace when I was 13? Like, what were some things you started unearthing from your own journey? Yeah. Well, it, it, it primarily is for me to retrace my life because there, I, I was brought up in an atheist family. Uh, Dad was a Mensa atheist, and there was no gospel, no Jesus in my world uh, till I started teaching high school and my students, the uh, first play that I cast, they were a bunch of young life kids and they talked to me about Jesus. And that was, that was 27. Wow. So I, much of my story that I write about is uh, now getting to have what I imagine Jesus was saying to me, thinking to me, uh, preparing for me. So that voice has been a delight to write. Mm. And obviously it's, it's subjective and, but, uh, I'm getting to do more of that now because I'm, I'm still going back in and 
repainting some of the early scenes, not just 213 on. So I am so excited for this book to come out. We're going to definitely try to have it out uh, before Christmas. I imagine, I might be wrong, but I imagine you've unearthed some areas that God was incredibly present in times where, because of your own perspective, you thought God was probably totally distant, but there he was. I mean, have there been some shocking things as you've thought through that? Yeah, there's some hard pieces to write uh, because in the season, uh, I thought, God, what are you doing? Where Mm. are you? And now... God, obviously, he, he always becomes wiser the further away from the incident. And 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 to write about it now, uh, I, I got really hurt uh, a few years ago, uh, less than a few years ago, two or three years ago. And in that season, you, I was just in shell shock. And having come out of that some now, oh, I can see God's voice, his face, his hear his voice, and have a sense of where he was in the midst of that, where I didn't before. I, I, that, that whole scene, uh, man, I have no idea how I got mm-hmm. home that day. I have no idea the next few days. And really, that, that next year was kind of odd for me. So to be able to write about it now is stunning mm-hmm. for me. So yeah, it it really is. Can we can we ask because you're uh, I don't want to push into personal stuff. What kind of pain that was? was it like a relational pain or? Yeah, it was a relational pain where, um, uh, boy, it's one thing to get called out on what you do, but to really have someone uh, say those near exact words about your yeah. person that that ah oh, that is it, one once you come out of shell shock you go wait 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 is that person right is that true about me so have, have i been kidding myself have people been bluffing around me because so it was that kind of pain of someone who went after my very person and uh whoa so, so I write about that in the book, and uh, that's probably the toughest one. In the uh, other than uh, my fifth grade incident that is in the book now of of uh, being sexually uh, abused, I think that's this one's probably the t- toughest one to have. You know, written. it was such a gift that you gave uh, the audience. In the Heart of Man film, John, when you just, uh, you know, clearly, uh, painfully, you know, emotionally, uh, with emotional yeah. presence, uh, but yeah. with with a, such a sense of grace and love and care for your younger self, told the story. Yeah. Of, Thank yeah. Thank you. You know what? That that was yeah, a, that was know, a, that was a gift what, that opened a door to freedom to thousands of men. You just telling that story on camera. Uh, it's so cool to go meet them now. Like even in Alabama, some of those people who say, "Wait, you don't know? I know you already. Yeah. You've you 
my story. But it's incredible how long it took me to tell that story. You know, I was, I was truly, I had become a believer. I'd, I'd married and never told yeah. anyone. Mm. Uh, I just, I just felt that sense that you would all go away. Uh, my wife would leave me. My, I'd lose my yeah. job, everything. And when, when I finally told it, I was so underwhelmed <laughs> by the response. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come on, I've waited all these years to and hidden this long, and this is all I get? I, I mean, Stacy was deeply compassionate. But at the end, she said, so what are we going to forget? Yeah, I'm curious for other guys who have, have gone through something that they hide, because to me, I hear that, and I, I it just breaks my heart. So it's like, why would you think people would be mad at you for something that was done to you? So what was at the root of that for you that kept you thinking it mm -hmm. had to be a secret and would cause rejection? Yeah. Aaron, that, that, what a great question. Um, initially, it was I didn't think anyone could handle me. Uh, that that uh, if my mm -hmm. folks heard that, what would they do with that? But along the way, as you know, you start to think, wait, was I complicit? I mean, I didn't. You know, what, what, am I guilty in this thing? And I wasn't at all. I was a victim, a total victim. But you start to uh, believe that there's some um, guilt in it yourself. And so you're ashamed. And I'm, I'm just, uh, that that's going on along with it, I believe, for all those years. And I, I really thought people could see through me that I was wearing a mask and putting on a facade uh, all, all, all along. And so I had to be careful how I presented myself and how long I stayed in the same arena and very hard to keep up that ruse. But, but I, I think at the, at the, those two things, will anybody be able to handle this news, uh, this information? And secondly, am I guilty in this thing? And, and I, I was a total victim, uh, but Man, I allowed it to happen. So that those two things, I, I, I really believed, kept me. I just, I just thought I can get through a whole lifetime without this ever being known. And uh, I was wrong. I just one day, my dear friend Bill Thrall, he's my big brother in the faith, and we were doing a conference up in Seattle somewhere. And just during a break, I blurted it out with no context of why. Why, why now? There were plenty of other times. And after he said, John, that breaks my heart. I'm so sorry. And, um, well, breaks almost over. We got to go back in. Uh, I thought, really? I'm, I'm not going to get fired or <laughs> whatever. You're not going to go yeah. away from me? And we're, we're going to go yeah. back in from a, I just told you the, something I've hid for almost 30, well, yeah. more than 30 years. And so, so Stacy was the same way, my wife, and now I can't stop. I, I can't stop telling that story because I know there have to be tens of thousands of 
men uh, who that's their story too. They're still hiding. They're still afraid to let it be known. You know, uh, what mm. strikes me is that, um, you know, you were able to, f- to, uh, to, f- to find your way to grace and it helped knowing that uh, you could silence the voice of shame, that you were not guilty, you were a victim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet it's also true that the grace of God would have been available to you had you not been a victim. Um, you know, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, you That's know, right. I, I grew up in a, in a church culture where we were forever being called to come back to God. Um, and because I knew that I was contravening God's laws— uh, you know, I was, you know, I was being unfaithful to my wife on a very regular basis, and I really didn't have anybody to blame. Uh, I was just guilty as hell. Yeah. Um, the yeah. grace was something that I had, uh, you know, I had to earn. If it was there, it was there under strict conditions, and I'd probably forfeited any, any, any right to it. Uh, talk. And we we've got guys in Samson who uh, we we have a few guys yeah. in Samson uh, who you know you'll find them on this uh, sex offender registry. We got other guys who were never caught, yeah. uh, who, who never offended, who never crossed legal lines. But no, we know we've just harmed people. What does yeah. what on our worst day? What does God say to us? Yeah. Gosh, the stunning. You hear it all the time. I can believe the grace of God for everyone else, yeah. but not for myself. And because we all we all have uh, deplorable thoughts at times. We all violate ourselves. We all compromise. We all undermine and cause Christ's death on the cross. We believe all day long, mm-hmm. every day. So. The thought that Jesus says, I I not not only love you, but I really like you. And I I know everything you've done. I know what you're going to do. And I want you to know, I put you on this earth at this time for my good pleasure. (laughs) Because I don't want to see what a what a Nate and an Aaron and a John, I just want to see what you would be like and I know I know you have failed but that that will never change our relationship that will never violate our relationship so you can come home you can come into light because I'm not holding out you have my full heart mm. and and to believe that the grace of God is that strong, to believe that what Jesus did for me was that powerful, and that he's not ever going, yeah, but uh, yeah, you, you'll get to heaven, but you will not have any padding on your armchair rest. I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> well, that's fine, because I'm a good Baptist, so I just need a hard-ass pew. <laughs> but I I think a lot of us feel that way. Yes, we're going to get to heaven but he doesn't like us. He doesn't, don't, don't talk to me. I don't want to hear from you. And, and to believe the power and the beauty of his love 
and to believe that I can be loved by other human beings who carry his love. Oh my, oh, that's changed everything for me. But it, it didn't immediately. I, I, I taught and preached on the love and grace of God a decade before um, the chameleon uh, mm-hmm. came out and yeah. outed himself. It, it, it takes a while for some of us to trust yes. it for ourselves. And let me let me throw something out and and get your response to this, John. Nate, when you were talking about, you know, I was I wasn't the victim in any way. You know, what about guys that are in that situation? There's a, a part of me that just gets so angry for you mm-hmm. when I hear those words, because there's this line that I think is is confusing when there are some important reasons I need to allow God to speak to that aren't necessarily excuses. But the second I bring in the bigger story, it quickly becomes the excusing it. In other words, there was not a single moment that you or I have chased false intimacy that God didn't know our hearts and was saying, oh, precious baby boy, I know what you're chasing right now. I, I care so much about, I gave you that desire, and this is crushing me to watch you just languishing in this. Because, because he knows the deeper reasons, yeah. I can be confident that his love is completely intact. But if I try to speak those reasons, then it's, oh, you're trying to excuse the behavior and it gets all muddled. Yeah. So how does yeah. that come into play when we're trying to, on our worst day, say, I mean, everything you just described, which is God's love and grace, is perfectly intact in that moment because the person and work of Christ was enough so that he can know our hearts and love us even in those moments perfectly. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. You guys don't screw around on this <laughs> podcast. I, I go on. I go on to ones where it's it's a little a little tamer, a little lighter. Uh, Sorry, I have a knock knock joke I was going to throw in somewhere. It's not that good though. Nate, do you want to well, take well, a I'm shot? Just, at that? I want to say that I love uh, the project that that you're you're on right now, or at least my understanding of the project, where you're going back yeah. and. Uh, and hearing what God has to You'll get a copy because I'll probably okay. try to have you endorse Wonderful. it. So, uh, yeah. Where you you want to hear what God has to say to the younger self on your worst day. Uh, I, right. I do That's find right. that a big part of my ongoing healing is uh, to, to go back to my younger self, uh, you know, accompanied by my Heavenly Father. And it's amazing. I, these, I, I have during my the darkest years of active addiction, I drowned in such self hatred, uh, and, and I was so hard on myself, and you know, really tried my best to shame my way out of shame based behavior. All of that, it was yeah. self-loathing. It's the kind of thing that leads some people to suicide. I was never suicidal, but I was like burning everything down around me and going numb. Yeah. 
But today, to be able to go back even to that guy, that guy um, a week before he was discovered, um, I actually have compassion for that guy. I really do. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I understand a little bit better what was driving him. And, it's, and I know that I can only experience that because um, I, you know, I, I, I think that, that love is mediated to me. I, that, I, I'm not manufacturing that love and concern. That's coming to me from outside of me, from my Heavenly Father. And I'm grateful for that perspective. Is, is there a difference? When you say you have compassion for him, yeah. do you also have love for yeah. him or are those two different no, things no or no does no it mean the same no thing? yeah it's a, it's the same thing i think i think compassion is a very okay. loving thing yeah yeah i don't yeah. i don't hate my addict anymore mm-hmm. and you can do is that, that without excusing him good job exactly is that what you get mad at is the excusing and so it it to that degree it doesn't allow the full work of Christ to, no, to be manifest. What, what I get angry at is we're so behavior focused that to step away from the conversation about the behavior and repentance, which always means change your behavior, not change your mind. I don't yeah. know who came up with that shit, but uh, yeah. that we can't step into. I, I, I don't feel like I can step into what you're describing so beautifully as the perfect love of God that doesn't need to overlook behavior to still be totally intact. And when I see people living in that, yeah, God's tolerating me right now and maybe we'll get back to love. It just makes me angry for them, not at them at all, but Because because it is behavioral because it, it says if I can grease the skids enough, someday I'm going to be okay yeah. in his eyes. Not not beloved, but okay, endured, tolerated. Uh, right now, uh, he wants to backhand me. But uh, one day, if I keep working at this thing and get some things right and fix some things, yeah, that is that is the antithesis of the gospel. Isn't I want to. It's it's the it's the younger brother's speech, yeah. right? Father, I've sinned against heaven, no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men, so I can pay some of this back. John, yeah. to me, uh, I yeah. love the Heart of Man film. I've seen it, of course, several times, as many of our listeners have. Oh, to yeah. me, they did beautiful young filmmakers. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Gosh. I, I, I was fortunate enough it's to get an early tr- peek at oh, that. Met Jason and uh, oh, oh. To me, great, the best moment, the most powerful moment of the film, I, I don't know if you were aware of it or not, but it's a phrase that you use that I hadn't used before, but I've not been, I hadn't heard before, but I've not been able uh, to get out of my head and have quoted many times, was uh, when, you, when you, you look at the camera and you say, I always felt as though God was mildly disgusted with me. That, mm, I remember. Yeah. Oh, that just yeah. encapsulated it. Yeah. That spoke. That's it. There it was. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And I, I have a, I kind of have this deal with the mirror. And it's like in my eyes, 
uh, I can look in there and it goes all the way back to my childhood. It's just all of John. And for the longest time, I had the hardest time looking into the mirror Ah. very long or, or because I, it was just too much. It, Mm -hmm. it, yes, John, honestly, the first few years that I preached, there was this voice uh, I would hear that said, yeah, well, 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 funny Mm -hmm. boy. (laughs) That was nice. That was good. They liked you. They really thought you were on your game. You know, the only one who wasn't taken in me, I'm on to you. And I'm going to have to reveal you. I'm going to have to expose you, and, and you'll appreciate it someday. But 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 that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm not going to tell you when, but it's going to. And I imagine that I am preaching the Bible. I'm talking to people about God, and that is still in me. So so that that phrase I came by honestly, mm-hmm. and and um, daring to trust that Jesus truly sees me the way that we we just described, that he actually goes into every event with me completely and experiences what I experience and and maybe even more because I can medicate. It, It is to dare trust. That's why that word trust is so powerful. It to be able to trust that that's how my Jesus mm. sees me, it has changed my language that I say it to myself. It's changed the way I view myself. Mm-hmm. And and like you say, the kindness that I can give to myself all mm. along the journey. Your your gospel identity is intact. What's, I love that you're emphasizing how difficult the trust piece is, but anytime trust is hard, there's a fear on the other side of what if this doesn't go right. So what do you think is on the other side of our fear of trusting the identity we have in Christ, but we want to keep going back to an identity we have in sin? What What is the fear of what yeah, we're that's so we trust it? That's so good. Well, that it, that it, um, it won't work. In forgiveness, I always think about that. Wait, this, I get one life, and you're asking me to forgive for my benefit? You're asking me to let go of this thing? What if you are not big enough and strong enough to be able to take care of this? What if, what, I, I mean, this is me. This is everything I've got. So so that's what's on the other side for me, mm. is, is what if you're not able to do that. And I'm left out here again, alone, scared, uh, by myself, rejected, unloved. Gosh, I was just rehearsing the other day, way, way back to before I trusted Christ, but a girlfriend that I had and how afraid I was. She was leaving me and how afraid I was. And the, oh, hard, pitiful things that she had to hear from me because I was desperately trying to get her back because of my fear of abandonment. Oh, man, I just, we were driving around in Laguna and that happened in Laguna and I was just rehearsing. Oh my gosh, it was, it was there then. It was with me then. 
So, so all along, I think that's so good is, are you able, I, and this is why it's so good to have great friends around who I can say this to, because otherwise it stays behind the curtain of God, are you able to deal with me and to deal with this sin if I do trust you? Mm-hmm. Is that, and, and are you able to give me a life that is worth living if I trade this choice? Those are, those are lies that I tell myself, but if they don't get exposed, they give me a sort of an entitlement to live a, a double life or a fake life. Yeah. So it's a choice. If I choose to not risk trusting, then I am choosing to live in quiet desperation as a worm tolerated by God instead of a prince who can climb up on his daddy's lap and just get amazing love. Mm-hmm. Well said. That's really well said. Man. Well, so I, I have one practical question. I heard that I heard that intake. That was Nate's. We're going to wrap it up and find out how to buy your books and things like that. <laughs> I have one practical question yeah. first. <laughs> Aaron, get it out. Don't don't sugarcoat things, man. It really is unbecoming. <laughs> uh, so for you're describing these journeys, whether it was two years ago, you went through something uh, hard relationally, going all the way back to when you're five. Uh, and this is an impossible question. So just answer it the best you can. Low expectations. Is there a way that you could have started this journey earlier in each of those processes while still knowing that sometimes we kind of need the two years, like that's part of the process. But is there a way that listeners can say, okay, I, I really can start engaging this in real time. So I don't have to wait five, 10, 15 years. Yeah. I, I whew, whew. again with the questions, um, you know what? I think it played into my shame. I didn't want anyone to know how hurt I was and how messed up I was because I was still, I was believing the things that were said about me. I was going, I've been exposed. Who am I going to talk to? But if I could have let people in with me to get out loud, to say out loud, I, oh, I, that process would have been sped up, Aaron. I'm convinced of that. Mm. I think I spent a year um, hiding in my woundedness. Mm. And uh, I think I could have definitely sped that up simply by saying, um, I want you to hear this. I'm afraid for you to hear this, but I want you to hear this, my friend, because I have to say the words out loud. You don't have to be able to do a thing. You just have to be able to help break this cycle by being someone I trust enough to tell it to. Come on, Nate, take it away. The answer's in community. God put us in the body of Christ. Go, Nate Larkin. Transition that sucker. Boom, boom. Did we lose Nate? <laughs> Are you there, Nate? Oh, I I muted my, I muted myself. <laughs> <laughs> I muted myself. That's right. 
I thought you, I thought you were crying from what I said, and you couldn't full breath. And now, you, you, uh, uh, so disappointing. Shame is back in the room. Darn it! No, no, no. Uh, you know, yeah. it is true. It is true. Community is the answer, and yet, community also. Uh, it's it's a place where we can be healed. It is also a place where we can be hurt. Community does have its dark side, and uh, mm-hmm. but, but that is yeah something I've been thinking an awful well, lot I, about. I, I think John just John I think just said make sure you've got at least a community of brothers uh, that can preach the gospel yeah. to you when you'd rather yep. believe the yeah. lie. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Yep. And and I knew it, and I knew where they were. And and yet um, that shame and that's that's the whole thing is to be able to be able to say God please give me the grace to be able to go say words and not stay here mm. in hiddenness. Awesome! Wow, so beautiful. You guys, powerful. This is you guys, man. Oh man. Well, well, John. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. For guys who want to jump the gun and connect with you before the fall retreat, are you uh, hiding or are you are you where guys can find you on the uh, worldwide interweb? What's the best way for guys to connect? Yes. Uh, well, well, johnlynchspeaks.com will take you right to my page and all the videos that we've been doing and all the uh, – information of what's coming okay. up next or where you can find me all that's there and if it also has a spot where if you want to ask questions or talk to me and and i will respond to those that's probably the best way if if you want to go quicker just come to john Link speaks uh john at john speaks.com it'll come right to my computer and uh, so anything you want to ask that way, I'd, I'd awesome. be honored. John, you have an incredibly soothing voice that just uh, really communicates passionate compassion. Good for you. Seriously, that is that is absolutely, uh, I, I think it has to be a fruit of the gospel. It has to be part of our warp and woof mm-hmm. uh is is that we can be trustworthy uh that that's for me that's such a huge huge deal because there was a time where i was not trustworthy by any stretch of the imagination so to hear that is is huge Mm -hmm. for me well thanks for being here yes thanks listeners stay with us we'll be back in a moment on the pirate monk podcast Honey, it's drowning my eyes. 
welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Man, I'm looking forward to this retreat that's going to happen. Oh, please, God, yes. One way or another, one way or another, it's going to happen. Yes, we'll definitely, I mean, if we have to do virtual, but certainly we'd rather not. So uh, we were talking during the the break uh, about something that came to mind. Didn't want to waste interview time because that was too good hearing what John had to say. But you talked about walking back with your heavenly father uh, to that young man, to that man's yeah. struggling addiction. And uh, there's, there's no way to unpack this all the way. So I'll start by saying God has created us with this weird thing where our perception is the reality we live in. It's not the data. It's not the facts of our lives. So right. I'm so prone to feel like, well, this is just the way it is because blank, blank, blank. Here's the data. No, yeah. if we had five people going through the same thing, they could still have a different reality because they perceive it differently. Right. And so we've got this, this Romans idea of God changing our mind, not being conformed to the pattern of this world, the way they think, but transformed by the renewing of our mind that God wired us that way. And this is what I just love about the gospel. What you said was so gospelicious. So I had to highlight it. The, the gospel, my gospel identity changes me today because I perceive people and things different today. Mm-hmm. It changes my hope for the future because all of my hopes are wrapped up in who God says I am. Yeah. But one of the craziest things is because my past is just a bunch of memories. My past is only in my head. It's not a real right. thing. Right. And so if I can look back through the lens of the gospel at my past, the gospel can actually change my reality of the past. Not yeah. the data, but that's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And that to me, like I love that the miracle of the gospel isn't some, you know, it's not just transforming water into wine or, or making blind people see these very physical big things. The miracle of the, of the gospel is simpler than that and far more profound. And that's what you're yeah. describing. So cool. So I just wanted to say that. Beautiful, beautiful. And it's, uh, you know, I've, I definitely I experience, I am experiencing that ongoing healing. And it's remarkable how my past has changed in 20 years. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's, that's a lot of hope for anyone struggling in shame that thinks, well, I just have to move forward. My only hope is in the future. Heck no. Yeah. That's boring. <laughs> it's way bigger than that. Yeah. So I'm so glad we had John on. That was just, uh, that was like taking a gospel drink. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. He's such a, such a sweet man. And he just, uh, it, it's like, he, it's like, he's just walking around. I, I think that's a good metaphor, a sweet drink. It's like he, I, uh, there was a time a couple of years ago when he was, he was out on tour with a band that I mistakenly thought was casting crowns. Apparently it was mercy me. There's a difference. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but but I, you know, I just get this random phone call. It's like, yeah, the bus is here and I've got a few hours. Would you like to, uh, would you like to get together? And I met him downtown for a meal. Uh, and he, uh, John just, his presence and the way he just kind of, without preaching really, he just 
lived and handed out the gospel. I was so refreshed and so encouraged by a couple of hours with that man. And I'm sure that uh, those of us who are going to be fortunate enough to uh, hear him in the fall are going to have a similar experience. All right. So how do people start moving towards registering for that, whatever that looks like? With the question marks, uh, what, what's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, folks are, you know, registration is already very strong for the fall retreat. We're well over 50 guys. We are trying to uh, coordinate with the camp. The camp is open right now, uh, and they are running summer programs. What really? we want to do is, yeah. Wow. This is so not now, California. I know. Uh, now, how long they'll be able to stay open is an open question. I, we are not certain what they're doing. We want to find out what can we do for safe, safe social distancing at the camp? How many men could we safely accommodate and feed and sleep? Um, so we may, we may have to put, you know, we may have to really limit uh, how many folks can physically attend the retreat. Uh, but we're also looking into how can we then capture everything that happens in the retreat and create, if we have to, how can we create an online experience that utilizes all the breakout capabilities of Zoom, that we still have quality time with each other in small group. You know, that's what we're thinking through, praying through. Please, uh, listeners, be in prayer for the the team at Samson House that's working on uh, the fall retreat. Yeah, so just uh, get yourself registered, and we'll figure it out later. And evidently, we're not doing we're not doing three dudes to a bunk this year. There will be more social distancing to that, so we're not packing people in. Um, I, you know, not really bonded guys last time. That's good. <laughs> Three uh, guys to a bunk. So yeah, so yeah <laughs> check it out. Go to the website. What's it wasn't website quite that time. In the meantime, samsonsociety.com uh, uh, or .org or maybe even .net. I think samsonsociety.almostanything will get you there. Uh, and uh, from there, there's a banner on the front page that will take you to the to the event registration. I was just thinking, uh, wouldn't it any, be awesome? Can we can we hire someone to hack Pornhub so anyone that goes to Pornhub, uh, it redirects them to SamsonSociety.com? How cool of a hack would that be? If you're a hacker out there and you think you can do that, um, but don't tell anyone because I think that's probably illegal, but it would be awesome. I, I don't know why that came to mind when you were listing off all those things. All right. I thought that okay. would be well. If you have a world. better if if you have a better suggestion, send it to us. I read my podcast. <laughs> At gmail.com. <laughs> All right. I think that about wraps it for this episode. Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. Yes. And we really are your pals on the Pirate Monk podcast. When I was a little boy, so my mother told me, Jimmy, we The girls, my lips would all grow moldy. Come
before the revolution.